Part two of the Ghost Goal Podcast World Cup Previews brings us to groups C and D, containing the last World Cup winners, France, plus this year's odds-on favorites to win, Argentina. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome back to the uh, second part of our World Cup Previews. We've got a, a good couple of groups here, maybe not necessarily the most competitive, um, but you know we've got sort of big picture World Cup things to discuss, and that, that brings us directly to Argentina, who I, I would say over the last year or so, pretty much ever since they won that uh, Copa America against Brazil, they've been pretty much everyone's team that they give the nod to when you ask who's most likely to win the World Cup this year. I know you're one of those people, Javier. Make the case why Argentina are going to win the World Cup. I think a lot of people maybe believe that a little bit also because they want to think that Messi will end his career with a World Cup. Um, it did take him till 2019 to be able to win an international trophy with Argentina. He made it to the Copa America final in 2009. Um, I think again in 2012, he made the World He's Cup. He's been to final multiple Copa America finals. But he even made it to the World Cup final. He's lost, you know, several competitions with Argentina in the finals. Finally got his win. Um, and you got to think that this team's just been elevating. You know, they're on a super long unbeaten run uh, internationally, dating back to before that Copa America, basically. I think this is the most complete team that's been around Messi, uh, possibly since that um, 2009 team that we that I've talked about on uh, on some previous pods. Um, you know, the team with like, Raquel May and... Uh, you know, players that were on uh, on that Inter Milan 2011 winning Champions League, like Cambiasso and Zanetti and, um, you know, that whole spine, uh, Gabriel Heinze, uh, you know, Diego Milito, all of those players were, were a very, very good side that were uh, experienced and they were around a young Lionel Messi um, and perhaps didn't give it as much limelight or as much play through Messi at that time to, to win a trophy. Um, it feels like it's the opposite now. They've been building, you know, getting rid of some of the egos in the team, some some of these players that, you know, like like Aguero, who was a, a good player for Argentina in his own right. But almost every time he played for Argentina, he seemed to choke or not do well when he would play with Messi. Um, Tevez was another one. Uh, Iguain, you know, the list goes on and on of these Argentinian strikers who uh, who haven't played well with Messi. Um, even Di Maria, to a certain extent, who still, I think, I think he was still called up for this last World Cup. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, he was. He, I think it's a, he's a doubt with an injury, but it's still in play. But of this you know, World Cup, there, there's a few key players that I think are going to be very important to, to Argentina's success. First is, is the back line. They've got some pacey wingbacks in uh, Nahuel Molina and Marcus Acuna, who have been playing now a few years as the, the first-choice wingbacks. Um, Taglia Fico... Uh, who's he, you know signed for Leon this season also gets gets some game time in there, you know you solid the wingbacks though yeah and solid the, solid wingbacks the center backs and goalkeeper are vastly improved from the last World vastly Cup. improved I mean Otamendi's still there from last time but you now have Romero and Lissandro Martinez yeah right but like I'm just saying like last World Cup they had a lot of the same attacking players but they didn't have they had Willie Caballero in goal because. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but some other goalkeeper got injured like you know, the week before the World Cup. So Caballero comes in; he's considered like a, 
a veteran goalkeeper and he makes the biggest mistake of them all to basically hand the game to the Croatians and throw Argentina's World Cup into like like chaos. And yeah, like you said, Lisandro Martinez and uh, Christian Romero and I think Otamendi plays sometimes as well. Those those three center backs. I think Otamendi are will least... be starting. Um, Otamendi will most likely be starting with Romero. He, he so pretty much wild. starts every every single game for the national team. So wild to me. It is a little bit wild. Um, you know, you, you got to think that Romero Martinez is going to be the best combination uh, for Argentina going forward, and might be you know in this tournament they might eventually end with that. But especially with the way that Martinez has been playing for Manchester United, you got to think Scaloni. You know, is going to have a lot of pressure on him to to play Martinez and Romero together. Um, I also really like the the midfield. There's a hardworking, yeah. creative midfield. Um, the engine is Rodrigo de Paul. You know, great player for Atletico Madrid since he signed for them. Um, Leandro Paredes, who plays for PSG, he's been getting game time this season. Um, you know, whenever he, uh, he's... he moved to he moved to Juve over the summer. Oh, he moved to Juve. Okay, well, he was getting game time. You know, when he was fit on PSG, and I thought he always looked a decent player. Um, I haven't really watched him for Juventus this season, um, but you know I always thought Paredes is decent midfielder, and Giovanni Lo Celso also, you know when he when he was playing a lot he, on he's Tottenham, out. he did he's out well. injured. Okay, he's out for well, the World we'll Cup. See, but we'll the, the player if... I want to mention uh, for the midfield, who I think is like a a dark horse to like blow up in this World Cup and get a move in January is uh, Enzo Fernandez from Benfica. He's been a huge part of Benfica's really good Champions League uh, group stage run where they, they finished ahead of PSG on the last day. I think they scored like six goals against Maccabi Haifa to, you know, push them into the, the first place position past uh, PSG. Uh, but they had both of their games uh, against Paris. They they drew them, I think, 1-1 in, in, in both, of, both of them. And they didn't look out of place against a team that uh, is, you know, has goals of winning the Champions League this season. And, and Enzo Fernandez is a hardworking but yet still very intelligent young player. He's only 21 years old. Chelsea have been linked with him numerous times, and I've been watching him like a hawk ever since I've started seeing those links. He's very, very impressive. So I, I don't know if he'll start this this World Cup uh, like in midfield. He may, but it depends on the, the formation Argentina use. Um, and, they're, and they're very flexible in what formations they'll they'll roll out. Um, but if they start with a midfield three and it's Paredes, DePaul, and Fernandez, that's the kind of midfield that frees up everyone ahead of them to, you know, not necessarily not press, but, you know, it gives Messi the, the, the leeway to, you know, focus on creating rather than having to help win the ball back. And I was so, going to say, if they finally seem to have a striker in Lautaro Martinez who who's keeping right. up the pretty much a goal every other game for the Argentinian national team right now and just very, very consistent for them. He brings other players into the play. He's hardworking. He's not selfish. And uh, and then, you know, either Di Maria or even Julian Alvarez, who, uh, you know, his his rise to Manchester City this season, uh, I think we'll see we'll see his, maybe not a breakout World Cup for him, but I think he can get two or three goals and, and get on a lot more people's radars because um, I think he'll eventually be good enough to get into this team. Uh, Paulo Dybala is another one there. Correa Do you think he's going to make it? Atletico. Because he's not, they haven't released the final squad yet. And I saw Dybala was on like the preliminary squad, but I rarely ever saw him playing for them in qualifying. Like a player like Nico Gonzalez from Fiorentina played and scored more often for Argentina during this qualifying run. And like he seems like a, a more likely player that would fit in with Lionel Messi. Like you can't play Messi and Dybala at the same time. They're too similar of a player. 
Dybala's already, I think he's having injury concerns anyway. So I I just don't see Dybala really having that big of an impact, like unless Messi went down injured or something, which, you know, none of us want to see that happen. I, I do just want to mention about Argentina that them and Brazil in this last World Cup qualifying cycle, they became the first teams to ever go unbeaten in Comebol qualifying, which we, we've raved about how difficult that qualifying section is. So for them to both go unbeaten is insane, even though one of their games got postponed and they, it was never played. So they all played one fewer game than everyone else, but still impressive nonetheless. Um, do, do you think they really have like what it takes? Like Obviously, they've shown they can beat the rest of the teams in South America, but do you think they should be favored ahead of like all of the European giants as well? No, I, I think they should just be up there with everyone else. You know, they're like a one of the seven teams that you could favor to win the World Cup. I don't think that they have like a clear, I think it's it's Messi's form coming into this World Cup. A lot of people are hyping that up. You know, he's been really good so far this season in the Champions League, in the league. Then again, it's France, it's a farmer's league. They haven't, they didn't have the hardest Champions League group. You know, a bunch of those goals came against Maccabi Haifa. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, and this is going to be the, the thing that he's been waiting for for his entire career. And, He's made. I mean, people are dreaming that there's going to be a Argentina Portugal final and Messi and Ronaldo final hurrahs. You know, who's the greatest player of all time? And they play each other in the final. We can dream. We can dream. I can tell you right now that's not going to happen. <laughs> but we'll get to Portugal on, a, on another pod. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming. I mean, I'm assuming we both have them getting out first in this group. Yeah, uh, I think not they, really... they get out first. I don't think I have any problems. You know, I could see maybe a draw with uh, Mexico uh, or Poland, but. I don't see them having yeah. too much trouble and still getting at them first. So which of those two teams, Mexico and Poland, do you want to talk about next? Because they're both going to be fighting it out for second place, we think. So let's go with Poland. Let's go with Poland. I'm sure everyone's wondering what we think of uh, Robert Lewandowski and how good he's been these last few years. If he's going to be able to carry this Polish team. See, I, I don't think the conversation should be necessarily about Lewandowski because he was obviously available for the last World Cup and they were in, in a tougher group. They were in that sort of group of death with uh, Colombia, Japan and Senegal, and they finished bottom of that group despite being the pot one team. And I think he scored once in, in that World Cup. He was there for that. He was fit, firing, healthy. And where, where it made the difference was Poland couldn't control games at all. They generally play a more counter-attacking, like safe style, and then you know look to limit the opponent's chances and and take theirs through their world-class striker. But I think they have a few more pieces now that they can you know take control of games a little bit more, be a bit more expansive. They've got like a young generation of players coming through that's a little bit better than you know like the Jan Bednarics and. Uh, who was the defensive midfielder that they had for years? I forget his name. Oh, well. uh, Gregory Krokoviak. Krokoviak. He's still on the That's team. It. He's still yeah, he is. up for but, this one. But, but you know, now they, they have players like uh, Jakub Moder in midfield from Brighton. He's part of that like young generation. Uh, Mateusz Klick from Leeds. Piotr Zielinski from Napoli. Um, I was going to say, I think Mil- Adriz Milik was injured for the last World Cup, and he's been back and you know playing pretty decently for Juventus. Um, he's another one that that they need. Matty Cash, he's you know his rise to to, to prominence in this in Aston Villa. Yeah, I think this is a more experienced Poland side. I remember I was excited for Poland in the last World Cup, and they really let me down. I do think, like you said, they have a much more experienced side. They have more weapons this time. Um, they have a lot of young talent and experience. 
and you got to think that they're they're going to be in it, you know, brawling with Mexico to get out of this group because uh, I'm sure they fancy we'll save, themselves. We'll save our predictions for like when we finish this group and give like our final one to four like placement. Um, but I do just want to mention two more players from that like next generation. I mean, you're right in saying Zielinski from Napoli. He's been sort of a, like an under appreciated player for years who's kind of in between Lewandowski's generation and this new generation I'm talking about. But the player players I want to mention are uh, Nikolaus Zalewski from uh, Roma. He's been a much more important player at left wing back for Roma since Mourinho's come in. And then Sebastian Szymanski from Feyenoord. He just signed for Feyenoord. I think uh, I think Jakub Moder uh, tore his ACL, so he's not going to be at this point. Oh, he's out? Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's Krukoviak after all. Um, yeah, but I just want to say about Szymanski, he's a player that can allow Zielinski to drop a little bit deeper into midfields and help Poland improve their control of games. Like Zielinski can still get forward and be the sort of attacking midfielder he, he is at Napoli. But Szymanski from Feyenoord, he's only 23 years old, just signed there from, uh, I think, Dynamo Kiev over the summer. And he's got three goals and three assists in, in 10 games in the league for Feyenoord this season. He's more of a winger, who, a hybrid winger slash attacking midfielder. Think like Phil Foden or Mason Mount or, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe, these kinds of players that can play in both positions. Uh, and he's a player that, you know, could really burst onto the scene at this World Cup as well. So he's sort of like the Enzo Fernandez of this of this Polish team. My dark horse to break out. No, uh, Sebastian Szymanski from Feyenoord. The attack- I-, I mentioned Zalewski because he's also part of that, that new young generation at left wing back. Um, but Szymanski is like the player that I think is the... The, the what do you call it the X factor that allows them to be a bit more expansive and and open and successful as a result. Do you want to get to Mexico? Because uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of uh, goodwill towards Mexico going into this World Cup. It's uh, <laughs> where do you want to start with them? Because it just feels like the only player that uh, is sort of on an upward trajectory for them at the moment is Chucky Lozano, the, the winger who's you know, been playing well at Napoli this season and has been their best um, player for years. I think that they, they, they have a solid midfield. Um, I like the Gutierrez, Eric Gutierrez from PSV, Edson Alvarez from Ajax, and Andres Guardado, who he is 36 right now, but he's still playing on bed, is still balling out. I think those three in midfield are a, are a solid midfield. You know, like you said, Lozano up top. I'm not super excited about the rest of this Mexico squad. Um, a lot of these players either play in the Mexican league. Um, you know, in the past, you know, someone which like good, Ro- which is a good level. You know, it's, it's like, a good it's level. Not, but someone in the past, like Saudi Arabia, like, <laughs> you know, Raul Jimenez. You'd be excited about a player like him being 31 going to this World Cup. Hasn't been good for Wolves at all for the last couple of years since his head injury. Pretty much since. Thanks yeah. for that, Javier. Thanks for yeah. that, uh, Arsenal. So, uh, you know, I'm not so sure that... I think this Mexico team will be underestimated. I'm not so they sure. Were they were underestimated can... last time, too, remember? They were, they were yeah. in that they group of Germany, Korea, and Sweden. Mexico are the type of team that they're just always really good on the ball. Rarely misplace a pass. You know, they've got a lot of technical play. And they're used to competing with, you know, they, they go they play in the Copa America, so they're used to competing with, with higher level teams than just the teams that they play with in Comitable. They regularly stomp Comitable. CONCACAF, I'm sorry. They regularly stop, stomp CONCACAF. And, but they haven't this season. Yeah, or, or but this I was World about Cup to say, cycle. this World Cup cycle, it was kind of a struggle. Yeah, I was going to say they, the they struggled against like the other... 
what you would consider top teams in CONCACAF. The other teams that you know are going to the World Cup, they've lost their last three games against the USA without scoring a goal. They scored one goal over two qualifying games against Costa Rica, and they scored two goals over two qualifying games against Canada, but they drew those 1-1 and lost 2-1. So, you know, those aren't even like the best teams in the world, and they're going to be playing teams at that level, you know, here in, in the World Cup. So I would be pretty worried if I was a Mexico fan. What they have going for them, though, is just this like blessing and a curse record that they have where they've reached the knockout round, uh, the round of 16 for seven straight World Cups. Going back to 1994, that is the record That's for the most consistent. Yeah. It's the record for the most consistent finish by a single team in World Cup history. So, if you're a fan of history and you know predicting the future by looking back at history, picking Mexico to get knocked out in the round of 16 is the surest bet you can find at this World well, Cup. Well, I think, I and think you might the, get good odds on it because of I Poland and Argentina. Thing, the one thing that's it, that first game is Poland Argentina. You know, I think I'm sorry, Poland, um, Mexico, you know, Argentina get the easy game. They play Saudi Arabia in the first game. So, you you know, Argentina kind of have the easy route to, to I think in terms of difficulty, Argentina gets to just ramp up. They play Saudi Arabia first, Mexico second, Poland third. So I think arguably their most difficult game is their third game, which just leads, leads to them having the, the easiest route to winning the group. And, and for Mexico, I think, that's I think the Poland. I think for Poland, like they could already have their points wrapped up in the bag going into that third game, just need a draw to secure World Cup qualification. Argentina and Poland played a draw in that last game. So I think this this first game is, is going to be huge for Poland, huge for Mexico. Um, it, I think if either of the either Poland or Mexico win that game, they're huge favorites to get out of the group. Um, and I, I For me, it's it's got to be Poland, uh, you know, just. The, the mix of experience and star power, the Lewandowski being at the height of his powers, the Barcelona move, you know, the way that Poland, it kind of felt like they uh, they got pretty unlucky in the last World Cup. They didn't quite live, live up to the expectations that the Polish had for them. And uh, I kind of see them being a little bit like Denmark were in the last World Cup where not a lot of people rated them or really knew about them especially some of the younger players, the ones that you're talking about. And I think they'll they'll have a little bit of a breakout World Cup. So I'm going to back them again. So placing that same historical argument into the context of Poland, Poland haven't been out of the group stage of the World Cup since 1986. So my my mind, my, my head is telling me Poland, but, you know, the heart is telling me Mexico. I'm, I'm going to lean Poland with you also, just because I, I feel like applying, you know, these standards of, most of the teams in CONCACAF that Mexico would have played against versus most of the teams in Europe that Poland would have played against, you know, set aside like the Andorras or whatever in, in World Cup qualifying. Poland were in a group with like Hungary, Albania and England and finished second. And I don't think I don't think they lost to England. I think they drew England twice. So, you know, Poland can hang with some of the best teams in the world. Mexico recently, I, I just haven't seen it. So, yeah, I'm leading with you uh, as with Poland as a second place team. But, you know, if you're looking for, you know, decent odds to, to place a bet about who can get out of this group, Mexico would, will probably get pretty good odds for it because they are relatively, you know, underdogs uh, now going into this World Cup. Uh, that means we both have Saudi Arabia last. I, I won't say too much about them. Um, they, they have a group of players that uh, are taking this World Cup. They might be World the worst Cup. team at the World Cup. Yes, but they are taking it more seriously than I think any other team at the World Cup. 
they've played five friendlies since the September internationals. I guess their season isn't their club season isn't going on right now. So they've just been organizing friendlies with teams like Ecuador and the USA, who they drew nil nil. They've played Macedonia, Albania, Honduras, Iceland, Panama, and they're going to play Croatia next week. And they haven't lost in any of those games. Now, I'm not saying that means, you know, get ready for Saudi Arabia to, you know, do well at this World Cup. Well, I'm and just take saying, that with a grain of salt because a bunch of these friendlies were probably with like players from the local league, youth players. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They it wasn't, it wasn't full strength Albania. International no. squads. You know, a bunch of these teams were playing. Saudi Arabia had their full strength international squad in these games, but the other teams didn't. Right. Right. So again, I'm not trying to say this to to say that they have a chance of getting out of the group. But I mean, I'm not wrong in that like Saudi Arabia is probably the closest nation to Qatar that isn't the actual hosts. Uh, so it's not going to be too far from home for them. I'm sure their fans will travel in droves. Uh, it's going to be less of a culture shock at this World Cup for, for Saudi Arabia than it will, will be for most other teams. I'm just saying they're taking it seriously and they think they can they can do something. Uh, but again, if they maybe had gotten like a similar group that they had last time where they had like Russia, Egypt and Uruguay, I think they beat Egypt in that World Cup. They like, came back from one nil down to, to beat them. So who knows? Maybe they pull, pull off a shock draw or something. But um, good luck to them. Good luck to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I think they finished bottom zero points. Okay, so we both have exactly teams. identical picks for, yeah, for who goes I mean, through. I Argentina. think this group is a little bit straightforward, but I mean, obviously the second place team is going to be the one that's that's going to be the, the surprise in this between Mexico and Poland. Right, and it all rests on that first game. So uh, actually, let me tell people when that game is going to happen. Mexico-Poland will be Tuesday, November 22nd uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern time in the U.S. So yeah, definitely uh, oh, pay attention to that uh, one. A couple of players you could highlight from uh, Saudi Arabia. No, we don't There's, need to do this. You don't want to do that. <laughs> we don't. We don't need to. I mean, right, I Salman Al Faraj. He's their. Uh, he's their. Their midfielder. You know. Oh, come on, man. If you're if you're going to start good. a conversation about Saudi Arabia, you got to start with Salem Al Dasari, the uh, ah, so, thirty-one yes, year old. Yes. Well, how could I forget Salem Dal Al Dasari? Dasari. Yes. Come on, man. Yes. Yes, Alex. Yes. Yes. He's their goal we're, scorer. We're running over already, Javier. We, you're uh, right. We All right. I just wanted to troll a little bit. There we go, Alex. There so, are the uh, both both Javier and I have Argentina first, Poland second, Mexico third, and Saudi Arabia fourth. Let's move on to Group D. It looks like FIFA just wanted to wind back the uh, the same Group B from last World Cup. Uh, you know, France, Denmark, and Australia all were yeah, in the, the same group at the 2018 World Cup. Um, but obviously, Australia beat Peru, knocked them out uh, of the World Cup. Uh, they drew us, and then uh, they beat us, beat us by penalties in quotation marks. Yeah, Australia knocked uh, Peru out in the uh, last knockout game to get to this World Cup. So with Tunisia taking Australia's place as the fourth team this time, you got to say it's a bit of an easier group, you know? Is that fair to say, Javier, that uh, Peru are better than Tunisia? Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, Tunisia, why don't we start with Tunisia? I think they've got not a lot of recognizable talent on paper, um, but there's a couple of players that people might recognize. Um, one that stands out to me is uh, Wabi Khazri. You might remember him from uh, his years Sunderland. in Sunderland. Also, Saint Etienne, Rennes, Montpellier. You know he's been he's been around the, the the French league and the Premier League before. He's a, he's a decent player. He's one of the better players that he's their have. he's their star player. Like everything begins and ends with him when when it's in terms of attack. 
Right. And then the other one is uh, Omar uh, Rekic. Are you talking about the Arsenal player just because yeah. he play, played for Arsenal? He yeah, doesn't yeah, even he's, start for them. No, but he's probably like the young player that, you know, he he has a chance of being being pretty good. You know, he's, no, he's no, been on Feyenoord, player, Manchester City, PSV, Marseille, and now he's on Arsenal. He's yeah, but pretty Javier, good for us that, that player is not, it's not Rekic, it's Hannibal Mejri from uh, Birmingham. And the, he came out of Man United's academy and just signed for Birmingham last summer. He's 19 years old. He's probably Wabi Khazri's, you know, heir to become like the talisman of this uh, Tunisia attack. I'm not saying he's great right now, but in terms of what Tunisia usually expect from their young players, like he's a pretty quality young player. I've watched him tear Chelsea's youth team apart like multiple times. Tunisia opened at Denmark. Not not an easy opener. Probably going to lose that game, and then they really. Well, there's no get, easy games for Tunisia. They're, yeah, the, they're going to have to maybe get something from that. Austra- if they can get a draw from the Denmark game and then beat Australia, they might have like a tiny chance of getting out of this group. But right, and and they might have a chance at that because remember the first game of the last World Cup, they were in the group along with Panama, England, and Belgium, and it took like a injury time set piece winner from Harry Kane for England to beat Tunisia. They're a very defensive, organized team. They're boring as hell to watch. You're not going to enjoy many games that you watch of Tunisia. But, you know, they have some decent players in top leagues, especially in defensive positions, who can, you know, allow them to play that way. They have, like, Dylan Braun, who's a 27-year-old center back from Salernitana in Italy. Uh, Montessir Taibi, uh, center back from Lorient. Uh, and then uh, Elias Shikiri or Shikri. Uh, defensive midfielder from uh, Cologne. So they've, they've got more talent, more talent across the board in defense and in defensive midfield, but then they just rely on players like Kazri and Hannibal Mabry to uh, to score whatever goals they, they, can get, they can get. Do you think they have a chance of getting third in this World Cup? I guess we could move on to Australia here because it's obviously kind of between Tunisia and Australia to see like who's going to be Who's going to finish third? Because we, we, we're both probably in agreement that Denmark and France are finishing in the, in the top here. Yeah, uh, I think they have a chance of finishing third. I, I really don't rate Australia that highly. Um, I think they're the type of team that Tunisia, like like you said, I think that, you know, uh, like Saudi Arabia and Qatar, I'm sure they're going to have a lot of their fans coming to this World Cup. I know Tunisia isn't like right next to Qatar, but, you know, they're they're not too far either. And they have a huge audience of football. Like people love football in that country. It's, you know, always the, I'm sure they're going to show up in droves to this world cup. So I, I kind of do favor Tunisia to finish third. I actually think that they're going to finish above uh, Australia. I think that they're going to be a team that people would be surprised in this world cup. I could see them beating Australia, you know, making it really hard for, for Denmark and France and, uh, putting in good defensive performances and surprising a lot of people in this World Cup. I'm going to lean towards Australia to finish ahead of Tunisia because I kind of like what Australia have in terms of their midfield. They don't have very many known players defensively or up front. But, you know, in midfield, Aaron Moy from Celtic, formerly of Huddersfield and Manchester City. Aidan Hurstich, the center midfielder who plays as more of an attacking midfielder for Australia. Uh, he plays for Hellas Verona and just won the uh, Europa League with uh, Eintracht Frankfurt last season. He's a very decent player. I think Jackson Irvine from uh, Sao Paulo, who's uh, more of a defensive midfielder, who I think has played in the Scottish League before. I- I'm just taking, in the matchup of uh, defensive solidity versus 
possession control. Australia will have more of the possession and more of the control in the head-to-head game with Tunisia. And I think that's what gets them three points. And, you know, not being able to control games at all for Tunisia will lead to them losing both the France and and uh, Denmark games and then losing to Australia as well. And Australia finished third. It's that simple in my head. But the one player from Australia I, I think people should keep an eye out for is uh, Jamie McLaren, who's a 29-year-old striker from uh, Melbourne City. He's been not cast aside, but he just hasn't really been given his chances at World Cups uh, before because of players, you know, a player like Tim Cahill, who's been, you know, obviously their their best attacking player for multi- multiple decades, it seems like. He's going to get his chance to actually goal, score goals on, on the biggest stage here. And uh, you can never forget about Matthew Ryan as well, the former Brighton goalkeeper who's uh, now at Copenhagen. He's only 30 years old. Um, but he's still a very consistent performer in goal. So they've got enough names that I think they can they can edge out Tunisia for third place. But what about the top two teams? This is another interesting discussion because uh, I think there's a real debate to be had here over uh, who finishes the first in this group. We, we've obviously documented many times before that the World Cup winners from the previous tournament, they usually don't get get out of their group, never mind finishing first. So France, I think that they're going to be able to uh, avoid that curse with, you know, how easy the, the draw was for them with uh, Australia and Tunisia as the, like, the other two teams after Denmark. But I personally have Denmark winning this group. I've seen enough from them. I'm, I'm all in on Denmark. How about you? Yeah, Denmark on paper and just they, they passed the eye test. You've seen them get numerous results now against big teams. Um, I think they won their group fairly easily in World Cup qualifier. Um, yep. They only conceded you know, three goals in 10 qualifying games, and two of those goals were in the final game against Scotland. I really they love were, their spine of uh, Joaquin Anderson and uh, Christensen, as well as uh, playing Maley and uh, I think, is it, is it Christensen? Christensen and Anderson as the, as the wingbacks, and they play Maley and Damsgaard as the wingbacks? No, Damsgaard would play in the front three. Milo would play left back or left wing back, regardless of whether they're playing a 4-3-3 or 3-4-3. Milo would, would be left wing back. But depending on whether they play 4-3-3... Oh, it's Rasmus three, Christensen, the, uh, the right back yeah, from but Leeds. It, it, varies, it varies depending on whether they're playing 4-3-3 or 3-4-3. If they're playing a 3-4-3 with three center backs, they'll go with uh, like maybe Daniel Vass who's you know getting a bit old now maybe like Andreas Skov Olsen from uh, from Brugge um, or Rasmus Christensen as well but they, they've got like multiple options for both wing back positions uh, and those players are kind of like hybrid wingers and wing backs so at all points they're creating overloads that teams just have a nightmare to deal with out wide I love their midfield they have the super hard working uh, you know two defensive midfielders in Delaney and Hoiberg which just allows Christian Eriksen um, or Christian Norgard, who uh, who we know from Brentford, Matthias Jensen, you know those are those are the backup players to to Delaney and Hoiberg. But you know it, this team gives Eriksen the 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 freedom to go forward, which you've seen him be fantastic for Manchester United so far this season. Um, I think you know Yusuf Poulsen uh, up top, Martin Brightwaith. I think that's going to be the one area where. Denmark haven't had the best of success, um, and they're going to need something a little bit extra. Somebody to to kind of break out in this tournament is is their goal scoring department. 
I think they've they've always seemed to found a, find a way as a team of finding their goals. You know, whether it be set pieces, um, whether it's you know a breakout player like Damsgaard or Maley were in the in the last Euros. But I think it's going to be something that teams are going to target. They're going to sit back against the Danes. They're not going to let them get goals in their counterattack and. I think it's going to be really hard for the Danish to score. So I, I think France still win this group. I think that this team is just going to be held back a little bit by their uh, by their goal scoring. It's going to be the reason why they can't make a big run in this tournament. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of that responsibility obviously falls to Kasper Dolberg, who hasn't had the best time during his loan at Sevilla so far this season. I don't think he's scored. He's only played like five or six games in La Liga. Uh, but Sevilla overall have had like a pretty hard time of it. They just fired Lopetegui, their their, their manager, so um, and, and brought in uh, a new manager, so uh, in São Paulo. So we'll see how the rest of his season goes. But the same could have been said for Dolberg at that last Euros as well. He wasn't doing particularly well at Nice, and then all of a sudden everything just clicked for them. And he's not even their only like striker option. They have Jonas Wind from uh, uh, Wolfsburg, or maybe it was Werder Bremen. Can't remember exactly. They're, they're even getting goals from Andreas Cornelius. They brought on Andreas Cornelius uh, one of the two times they beat France in the Nations League last season, and he scored two goals and and got the winner late on for them in in Paris. So this Denmark team has no problem playing against France, and, and I'm. You may like smirk or snicker at the the Nations League, but France played strong teams in both those nation leagues, Nations League games. I remember watching them and thinking, like, this is a legitimate win that that Denmark have gotten in Paris. And then they followed that up by beating uh, France 2-0 in the, the home game of that Nations League. And this was just like a couple months ago. This wasn't like, you know, a couple of years ago. I'm so all in in this Denmark team. You're going to think I'm crazy. I'm going to I'm going to embrace chaos because this is by far going to be the most chaotic World Cup we've ever had. I'm picking Denmark to win the World Cup. You're, you're crazy, Alex. Uh, but so I guess Denmark are winning the group and they're winning the World Cup. De- Denmark uh, are winning the group, Javier. And when they win the group, do you know who they'll play in the next round? Either Poland or Mexico. Dub. And if they win that game, do you know who they play in the next round? Either England or the second place of that Senegal, Ecuador, Holland group. So let's say England. They can beat England. They took England to extra time and lost because of a penalty and the game was at Wembley. They can beat England on a neutral site at the World Cup with none of the pressure on them. They've only gotten better since that Euros. And I I think it's what you mentioned earlier. They passed the eye test. They're a cohesive unit that fully understands not only the main five at the back system that they play, but they've evolved to be able to play even better in a 4-3-3. So I'm, I'm, I'm fully behind them. I'm backing them. I think they're winning the World Cup, and I don't even feel like that's actually that crazy to say. Because look around the rest of Europe, at least. Most of the big teams, France included, are kind of, you know in a state of transition. They're not playing their best football. They they look sort of they look out of sorts and that they're they don't really understand what their managers want from them. I think France if we can move on to them to talk about them mainly, like I said, I think they'll get out of this group. But if what I, I just said comes to pass and they get second place, then that means we have a rematch of that France Argentina round of sixteen game from the last World Cup. You remember that one, the four three uh that uh I think Mbappe scored twice and Giroud scored. It was a great game. Pavard scored that like goal of the tournament. 
but I think this time France, France gets second and then they get, paper. They get best knocked team by out far by Argentina. in the tournament on paper. No. You know, they have really? I think their one think weakness the on perhaps on paper is a goalkeeper. I mean, Hugo Lloris is a decent goalkeeper. Backups are Ariola and Alban Lafont. Not great. I think it's um, Steve Mandanda. Oh, they actually they brought, they're bringing Mandanda. That's amazing. Wow. He's like 40. I can't he, uh, he made it to this World Cup, but uh, yeah, that is insane. He feels like he's been around since 2000 or something. But, uh, you know, they, they have a back line of just chock full of talent. Pavard, Kempembe, Kunde, Lucas Hernandez, Tio Hernandez, Ferland Mendy, uh, you know, William Saliba, Upamecano from Bayern. Lucas when was Tigne. the last time you watched France and thought that they look good? Because I can't, I can't tell you. It's been a long time. I don't think they will look good again until Deschamps leaves after this World Cup and Zidane comes in and you know brings in like a whole new host of players. Like remember, they were one of the favorites at that Euros last year, and they did finish top of that group with Portugal and uh, Germany and Hungary. But then they went out and on penalties to Switzerland, gave up a three-one lead late on, and lost lost on penalties. Uh, they, they weren't impressive really at any point during that, that Euros and haven't been impressive to me. Form is temporary, class is permanent. You know, I think this is the type of team where there's just too much talent. Do you know if Kamavinga ended up making it to this World Cup? I, I, yes, yes, he did. He did get called up. Okay, great. Because I was going to say, you know, having Kamavinga, Chuameni, you know, I, I know that this is going to be their first World Cup in a while without N'Golo Kante. Um, you know, Can we take a moment to just discuss how big of a deal that is that they're missing N'Golo Kante as someone who watched that in or person? Or Paul, Paul Pogba, who's been usually very good for France. Yeah, but Javier, as someone who watched France in person at that last World Cup and was came back to me just absolutely like gushing like N'Golo Kante, it's a different thing when you see him in person. Like they haven't looked right since N'Golo Kante started experiencing those frequent injuries. So I, I'm just, I'm not willing to back them and I think the World Cup winner's curse still finds its way to France eventually but I think it's in the form of having to face Argentina in the round of 16 because they got second and Denmark got first does that sound that crazy because I don't think it does no no I like that I think the one player that you got to watch um, who's probably gonna get a lot of game time in N'Golo Conte's stead is uh, Yusuf Fofana who's like an electric defensive midfielder who plays on AS Monaco um, you know, look to him playing next to Chuameni and Kamavinga and I, probably Rabiot. I, I don't know who else is going to be playing in midfield for uh, for France. I think that's definitely a place where they're a little bit short and where we've expected, you know, players like Pogba, like N'Golo, um, even I think Bubakar Kamara, who... Yeah, he hasn't quite kicked on at, at Villa yet. No, he hasn't, but he was one who looked for a while like he was going to be a, a big player. You know, they've got Matteo Guendouzi, uh, you know, he, he might be getting game time in this because of N'Golo Conte and uh, and Pogba's injuries. You know, so I think that's that's going to be the one place where France can probably get exploited, outworked. Um, you know, up top, they still have Christopher Nkunku, who everyone's, you know, excited to see where he's going to be going next. He's been banging in goals for uh, Leipzig, you know, since last season. Giroud's been looking great for uh, France. Atletico Madrid, finally. Finally, we're able to find Griezmann, and Griezmann finally can start starting for them. There was that whole thing where, like, if he made a certain amount of appearances, they had to pay like a yeah. They got they got rid of that. They They got rid of that. You know, I think there's a lot for this. Players like Benzema, 
Mbappe's got a lot to prove with everything that's been going on PSG. I don't know. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of negativity and there's a lot of uh, negative headlines around France and just too much drama and things like that that are going to keep this team from eventually going far in the tournament. But I think they get out of the group, man. I don't, you know, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. And I, I, I agree think they probably but... still win the group. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to go. I think they narrowly win the group. If they win the group, then that sets up like a possible quarterfinal with England that would just be amazing. I, I'd be I'd be happy to be wrong if we got to see England France in the uh, the quarterfinal. But you know, Argentina France in the the round of sixteen would be pretty great too. Um, I just want to make one final point about France before we you know close up here. That whole conversation regarding teams that can you know control the game, I, I don't think France rate that highly in that regard they they have all the weapons to win in a wide open end to end track just, meet or a here's game why I think France win the group defending. Alex listen to this one second they play Australia in the first game I think they could beat Australia 3-0 you know 4-1 something like that in the first game draw with Denmark just like they did in the last group and then just spank Tunisia in the last game and they're going to score more goals against Tunisia and Australia than Denmark are going to score. Denmark are going to beat that, I'm sure actually. they're going to beat I don't know about I that. I don't know either. Yeah, France, I don't know France either. But that's why a lot of low block That's going to be the reason why I Tunisia think will France play that finish way. first. Okay. Well, I just straight up think Denmark are going to beat France. Uh and I, I mean I, I agree that they'll get out of the group. I just it'll be in second. But the lack of control they could kind of make up for that. They were a defensive team at the last World Cup when they won it, and they were very impressive in doing so. But they still had some semblance of control of games because of Kante and Pogba. Kante wins the ball back, gets it to Pogba. Paul Pogba either, either sprays the ball forward for Mbappe or someone to run onto, or he rotates the possession and France keep the ball for a few minutes. I, I just want to do, many give, give, are too give people in context this uh, World Cup curse of the winner. Uh, yeah, there's been absolutely. A few there's been a few of these. So since France 1998, France won the World Cup. Then they finished bottom of their group in 2002. Team with Thierry Henry, Zinedine Zidane. Like, you could have never imagined that team was going to finish bottom of the group, but they did it in 2002. Brazil won in 2002. They did make it out of the group, um, but they were eliminated at the quarterfinals, which is you know pretty rare for a for a team brazilian team with that had ronaldo ronaldinho but that's the best finish you know, in the world Rivaldo. cup winner has managed at the next yes. world cup uh, really quickly italy 2006 bottom of the group in 2010 shadow of themselves even though inter milan you know an italian team won the champions league the year after so it's not like italian football had declined at that the, point the same year the yeah, same the year, same in year. 2010, exactly. 2010. Inter just won it uh, Spain, 2010, greatest international team, one of the greatest of all time. They won the Euros in 2008 and in 2012. They won the World Cup in 2010. Third in the group in 2014, another unimaginable team to not make it out of their group. Um, and then Germany. I mean, Germany, we, we always think of Germany. They're always going to make it to the semifinals or the quarterfinals. They, you know, they, they're their they're most consistent side in World Cup history, bottom of the group in 2018 after winning it in 2014. So... The, the curse is against France here, and uh, there's there's a lot of outside factors too, like injuries and drama and the coach who haven't been there a long time and things going stale, et cetera, et cetera, which I think could all be factors in, in another just kind of lame World Cup for France. See, that's a classic hedge right there. You're yeah, still I'm picking them Alex. first, aren't you? You're hedge, still picking them hedge. first. Yeah. All right. Well, give your uh, yeah, I think give they'll your be first on for... 10 points or no, seven points. 
You don't have both, to predict the Both points. them and Denmark, seven points, but they'll get through on goal difference. Okay, and then third and fourth for you? I'm going to say Tunisia third and Australia fourth. Okay, Fuck this the is Aussies. Good. I'm happy. We, we went with the same, the same predictions for the last group, for this group. I've got uh, Denmark finishing first, and they're my World Cup winner. Uh, then France second, Australia third, Tunisia last. I, I'm you only saying this for, because... Uh, Denmark to win the World Cup. Ericsson might die of a heart attack. I think he would die happy if he had a second heart attack upon lifting the World Cup for his country. Uh, also, let it be known, this would not be the first international tournament that Denmark have ever won. They won the Euros back in 1992, I want to say. Uh, yeah, so it's not completely crazy to suggest. And again, I think we need to embrace chaos for this World Cup. Because again, this will be the most chaotic, wild World Cup we've ever witnessed. Javier, I'm going to give you one chance. Uh, I mentioned Denmark in my prediction for winning the World Cup. I think you've mentioned before the Argentina are yours. Do you want to put put it down in uh, on the pod now? Is this your World Cup winner? No, Alex. We're going to save that for the uh, last pod. We're not going to not going to go so far. Hmm. Oh, so you think the World Cup winner is going to be in the one of the last two groups? Is that what you yeah, mean? Maybe. Or maybe okay, Brazil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Javier, thank you for uh, jumping Come on, on this Alex, one. I always predict Brazil to win the World Cup. Right, of course. I mean, you've picked Argentina in like a previous pod we did like a couple months back when we were talking about it. That's okay. I switched up from Germany to uh, Denmark. Javier, thanks again for jumping on this one. We're going to be uh, recording a Premier League uh, recap on Sunday night, I think, and uh, releasing that f- uh, for early Monday morning, uh, talking about all the, the last round of games before this World Cup break. And then next week, we've got two more World Cup previews coming. Likely the the third part of four will be either Monday or Tuesday. And then the fourth part will be, you know, sometime later that week. But we'll let you guys know uh, when we've got a better idea of the schedule. So you can follow us on social media at JavierRev9 for Javier's Twitter, at ASMOS92 for my Twitter and Instagram, and at GhostGoalPod for the podcast socials. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and drop a rating and give a review. All those new ratings and reviews help new listeners to find the pod. And we welcome any of you that have found our way to our World Cup previews. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the last week of uh, Premier League games this weekend. And until next time, see you.